Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host today, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. You know what, folks? Today is National Kindergarten Day, and my co-host... Just graduated. Gra yeah, she graduated <laughs> kindergarten with honors. She is always looking super duper behind the wheel of her Mini Cooper. She is the Khaleesi of Leslieville. She is Natasha Biazzi. How you doing there, my friend? I'm killing it. You were so enthusiastic there. I think something <laughs> fell off the table. Oh, jeez. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was my resume. <laughs> <laughs> we're making a mess already, but thank you so much for letting me co-host with you today, David. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are streaming on YouTube, Rumble, Getter, Odyssey, and Super U. Uh, and be sure to send in your chats throughout the show. We'd love to read them, and we appreciate all your support and donations. How's, how's it going? It is going well. And I, yeah. I want to take care of a little housekeeping because the last yes. time you co-hosted with me, I was expressing my mortification that Toronto being Toronto, you go to a shopping mall, at least 85, 90% of people are still wearing masks. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it would be the other way around. Um, it's, it's incredible, the indoctrination. And I made the comment that I thought as of, I believe it was March 21st when the masking mandate ended, um, everybody, uh, at least here in Ontario, um, would, uh, you know, do a feminist kind of thing, which is take their masks and set them on fire. I did. And well, yeah, I, I'd like to do that too. I, I, we'll do this after the show. We should, you know, we should do an event like that. Yeah. And I likened it, <laughs> Natasha, as you know, to the feminists who burned their bras in the sixties. And I pondered, is this actually a thing? Did that actually happen? And I did a little research. And no, it's an urban legend, folks. It goes back to a story of feminists in New Jersey about 54 years ago, if uh, memory serves me right. Uh, there's some uh, footage uh, Mrs. Producer is uh, digging up. <laughs> and they were protesting the Miss America pageant. And evidently, one of the ladies removed her brassiere and tossed it, but did not set it on fire. Just one. Right. And so there was no flames. Uh, so it, it's amazing. It, it just shows you how these urban legends uh, gather steam. And basically, the reason for the bra removal was that it was a sign of oppression? Is that a thing? I didn't know bras were part of the patriarchy. <laughs> you know, and not identifying currently as a woman. Oh, um, right. You have before, though. I, I have so. before, but not right now. Yeah. Currently, I'm identifying as a Westinghouse toaster, folks. Um, you you know, first of all, uh, how did this ever uh, gather steam and traction. It's kind of like, you know, the film you see of Bigfoot, which is just a guy in a monkey costume. And secondly, I, I just wonder, now that I really think about it, not that I'm getting obsessed over the issue, Natasha, but, <laughs> but we'll see. Can the, is it easy to set a brassiere on fire? I don't think it would be. Um, I'm not <laughs> too privy to that information. I am no expert in burning bras or burning things, period. Um, but I, I reckon it would be a little difficult. And you know who I think it would really infuriate? Justin Trudeau, because of the emissions, the emissions oh. that it would produce. I and mean, Greta Thunberg. And Greta Thunberg. I think they would just be completely, <laughs> deeply offended. Despite Trudeau being a feminist, I think he'd just be peeved to hear that us us ladies were burning our brassiers. Oh, and I mean, the last time I took a gander at Lady Menzoid's boulder holder, it was bought from Victoria's Secret. And I'm telling you, that was not cheap. And I get, like, why would you want to financially penalize yourself? But again, I'm just a guy. What do I know? But I do know this. The idea of feminists burning their bras, it's a falsehood. Don't repeat it anymore, folks. We have done the due diligence. We have. Um, you know who else has done his due <laughs> diligence? <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Oh, let's, yes. let's talk about him. So he burns the jet fuel, flying equivalent of three trips around the Earth over the past 10 months. That's not even a year. Oh, but... Natasha, I'm sure there's more to this story. That wasn't <laughs> jet fuel in the aircraft. Oh. I'm sure it was something like, oh, I don't know, dilithium crystals, maybe? Oh, right, right, yeah. right. You know, oh, fairy dust. Maybe it's like steam. It's run on steam. Well, it's getting me steamed. And <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why, folks. This is yet another example 
of, um, well, basically, as they say, uh, socialism isn't for the socialists. Marxism yeah. isn't for the Marxists. Twas ever thus, the double standard of those in charge preaching to us, um, for example, right now, and if you aren't vaxxed, uh, you don't have a choice in the, the matter. Oh, the staycation. Just travel a little radius around your city. Uh, that's all you need. You don't want to go to some place, some horrible place like Florida, where the weather is beautiful and the freedom is vibrant. Yeah. But it is, again, do as I say, not as I do. And the second thing, you know, Natasha, is that, and this is really disturbing, just because the mainstream media, you know, for, for the most part, is allowing, you know, the Trudeau liberals to get away with it. Mm -hmm. The liberals no longer hide or yes. explain away their hypocrisy I or know. double standards. It's, it's right out there for yeah. all to see. I know. And it just, it speaks, how arrogant, frankly, it, how completely arrogant. And he's just sitting in his ivory tower pointing at us laughing while he, he increases the carbon tax, for example. And I just want to know how much is this costing us? Like, I, oh. I, how much do you think? Well, it is our money. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, the idea of being fiscally responsible, yeah. that, that's a forgotten term. But I mean, if you were to confront a liberal about this, uh, isn't this a double standard? Um, and I'll give you another example. I've mentioned yeah. it many times when you see <coughs> Trudeau's motorcade come up. Yeah. It's typically six SUVs, and there's always a minivan there. Yeah. But the six SUVs, they're typically Chevy Suburbans. And Ford Expeditions, these are the supersized SUVs. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, even though they're seven or eight seaters, there's not seven or eight people in there. And they leave the heater on with the car running in the wintertime and the car running with the AC on in the summertime. And yet, and I think our uh, beloved colleague, Sheila Gunn-Reed, she did an FOI. And it's something like there's 50, I'm going by memory, but I think the numbers are close, it's like around 50-something vehicles that the Trudeau cabinet members drive. Wow. One, one green vehicle, either a Chevy Volt or a Chevy Bolt. They're all carbon-spewing vehicles. And what gets me, um, uh, Natasha, is they don't hide it. I you, know. You say to them, isn't this a double standard? Isn't this hypocrisy? And they will basically say in fancy language, and your point is? I know. They just don't get it. They don't get it. And I was reading this article and it said one of the quotes was, unlike other members of government and ministers who largely tend to fly commercially, Canada restricts the prime minister to a military aircraft. Why do you think that is like, why, why is Justin Trudeau exempt from these sorts of rules? I, I wanted, I, do you know? Well, you know, um, in terms of the aircraft, I'm not sh so sure. Yeah. But in terms of the motorcade, I can tell you that there are uh, so-called green alternatives. There are indeed uh, plug-in hybrid uh, right. SUVs. Um, there, there are indeed other vehicles that he could make a same. And you'd think that, see, if I'm the prime minister, and Natasha, I'm always playing the carbon card, yeah. the green card, the environmental card, wouldn't you want to lead by example? Yeah, keep up appearances at yeah. the very least, I know. See, look at look at this, uh, you know, that, that minivan, uh, could be a um, plug-in hybrid uh, Chrysler Pacifica. And the SUVs could be plug-in hybrid uh, Mitsubishi uh, Outlanders. Very so specific. Yeah well, yeah, well, listen, I've done my due diligence <laughs> yeah, on this. Have. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not an aviation expert, um, although I have played one on TV. I think the plane crashed. Uh, but um, you would think for his own selfish self-interest. Mm -hmm. You would say, hey, look at my fleet. It's as green as you can get, but no. Well, yeah, I mean, and of course, there is an argument to be made about green vehicles not actually being as green as they appear, of course. But I think it's interesting, to your point, that he's not, like, that he is just so clearly and blatantly going about his day, yep. you know, as if, like, the like he pretends the climate crisis is the greatest threat to humanity, and yet he's behaving in a way that's completely contradictory. I, I don't really get it. I wish, I wish, honestly, he was playing the game a little better because I might actually have a little more respect, not much, but a little more respect for him if he believed what he was telling us. Well, yeah, and the reason why we are getting ever so closer to the psychologically damaging $2 a liter oh, benchmark, and, and I should correct myself, I believe in areas of BC, it's already gone there, um, is because of the Trudeau Liberals' energy policies. Right. We have landlocked trillions of dollars of wealth uh, in Alberta. We can't get the product to market. 
we should be energy self-sufficient. We should be uh, exporting oil to a greater degree than we are. We should have much cheaper yeah. uh, gas at the pump than we do. And it's all about virtue signaling. Yeah. You know, globally, I believe our carbon footprint is uh, less than 1.8% of the world. If you want to see some violators, check out China, folks. Yeah. Check out India. And I think that's an incredible number for us, especially since we are a huge country mm -hmm. and we are a cold country. Yeah. We got to keep ourselves we need the heat. Yeah. exactly. That's a good point. So just for the virtue signaling of look at us, look how we're not bringing our uh, oil to market. And you know, uh, talk about two peas in a pod. Joe Biden, mm -hmm. under the Trump administration, folks, for the first time in seventy years, the United States was energy self sufficient. Now you have Biden on his knees begging OPEC and Venezuela to ramp up their oil exports because of uh, their energy policies as well. And what is it doing? It, like The fact that you're not having your own domestic oil produced, you still got to get oil from elsewhere. Yeah. Like, you know, you still got to get to work. Yeah. You know, so there is still carbon emissions. And uh, our boss man, Ezra Levant, uh, wrote a fantastic book, Ethical Oil. Mm -hmm. That's what we produce in Canada. That's what was being produced under Trump in the United States. And now we are supporting the most despotic, you know, regimes in the world. Uh, explain this to me, how this is helping anyone uh, least of all the planet. Yeah, I, I think it obviously just plays into this weird globalist agenda that mm. we we obviously don't see what's happening behind the scenes here. There, that, I think that's the only explanation for this. There's someone else who's pushing this. Uh, perhaps it's the World Economic Forum. It's maybe it plays into the Great Reset. Ooh, conspiracy theory. No, I'm not. <laughs> but you know, I'm not too sure. That's the only thing I can understand that there's someone else here pushing this. Because you're right. Why aren't we being a self-sufficient nation? It you makes know no sense. I, I don't even think, uh, Natasha, you have to go to the conspiracy um, route. Um, like I said, I think it is pure virtue signaling. It is, look how pure I am as your prime minister. Look how I am landlocking all that horrible carbon fossil fuels out west. Uh, but meanwhile, his lifestyle's not affected. No. Uh, he doesn't even pay his own gas bills, All whether it's the entourage on the ground or his plane in the sky, we're paying. Yeah, that. we front the bill. Yeah. Well, and that's my question then. Carbon tax. How is how is increasing a tax going to solve the climate crisis, so to speak? How how is raising our taxes going to to do anything to fundamentally curb uh, the climate? Like it's, I don't I don't understand how we're I don't understand it. it. It's not. And you know if you look at the developments, and I'm not talking about plug-in hybrids and hybrids and electric cars, folks. I'm talking about internal combustion engines. How efficient the modern-day internal combustion engine is these days. I once heard that the amount of emissions coming out of a new SUV uh, for a year is equivalent to that. Uh, you know, emissions coming out of a, a snowmobile for two weeks, hmm. right? So, you know, this uh, hate on uh, for these kind of vehicles, when you actually crunch the numbers, it, it, it doesn't exist. But enough about that. I see, uh, uh, speaking of Trudeau, well, oh, yeah. golly, rise in hate crimes connected to pandemic <laughs> and greater political polarization, Trudeau says. First of all, he's always on about polarization. That's why, if you recall, Natasha, he wouldn't answer um, Alexa Lavoie's questions at the um, debate, debate last yeah. year, because we are a polarizing uh, force in Canada. Oh, no, Mr. Trudeau, if you want polarization, look in the mirror. Well, that, that was my first thought. I was like, who <laughs> created this divide? Yeah. It would have to be from the top down, Mr. Trudeau. And what I just said about how so much wealth is landlocked in Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, because he doesn't care about the West. He doesn't need the voters in the West. Uh, as long as he gets the Laurentian elites to vote Team Red, right. uh, you know, they can uh, they can freeze. There's, oh, there's yeah. our lovely colleague, Alexa. And uh, do we have some audio for that? Si c'était vrai et si c'était le cas, la Cour, suprême, la Cour fédérale ne nous aurait pas permis d'être ici aujourd'hui. Je suis moi-même scientifique et je me base sur les faits. Ma question est la suivante. L'Israël est l'un des pays les plus vaccinés au monde. 
Ils sont rendus maintenant à leur quatrième rappel de vaccin. Ils ne considèrent plus que ceux qui ont reçu deux doses de vaccin sont pleinement vaccinés. Ma question est, plusieurs Québé euh, Canadiens ne désirent pas avoir une, un rappel de, de vaccin. Allez-vous leur enlever leurs privilèges reliés au passeport vaccinal? Et aurez-vous l'obligeance de répondre à ma question en tant que premier ministre ou allez-vous encore diaboliser mon média? J'ai partagé ma perspective sur ton organisation euh, hier soir. J'ai plus rien à dire. Ça demande bien qui vous êtes. Merci. Unbelievable. Oh. Uh, and uh, it was the, another question, actually, where uh, when he condemned us, I guess it was the night before. Yeah. So it was indeed be demonized. Uh, he said, uh, I won't even refer to your organization mm -hmm. as a media organization. Uh, you are individuals that are polarizing uh, the country. Uh, I mean, the chutzpah is unbelievable. But um, yeah, I won. And you know, when he talks about hate crimes, are, are there really hate crimes rampant in Canada? Or yeah. is he basically personalizing this as he always does, Natasha? Um, is he upset about the number, the growing number of F Trudeau flags and bumper stickers? Yeah, that's very I possible. <laughs> well, so basically he said the plan was to increase funding toward anti-racism measures in Canada in light of recent attacks in Ontario mosques. So what I found interesting about that is, okay, so he mentions mosques, which of course any hate crime, no one is for hate crimes. Like everyone can agree, right or left, that we should condemn hate crimes. But what about the Christian churches? Oh, they want the most overlooked, underreported story of 2021. Right. You're quite right. But let's talk about the one of the most recent so-called hate crimes against the Islamic faith. It was a mosque in Mississauga. Yeah. And it was condemned as Islamophobia. It was condemned as a hate crime. Uh, folks, the person that went to the mosque uh, with the intention of hurting others was a Muslim. So what I'm asking, Natasha, if you are a member of that faith, is it still a hate crime? If it's Muslim on Muslim violence, right. but you look at the tweets from the likes of uh, uh, Jagmeet Singh, we, know, we stand against Islamophobia. Well, wait a minute. Is it possible for a Muslim to be Islamophobic? I, I, like, I'm really confused No, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, well, I mean, we see this narrative perpetuated throughout the mainstream media where they like to withhold certain information about who actually, um, you know, perpetuated these crimes. And what I really found interesting, too, is the April 2022 budget announced that $85 million in funding over five years will be related to a new anti-racism strategy and combating hate. How is, how is like a budget going to combat racism. I don't get how money has anything to do with this. Like, you know what? How about this? A hotline. And I'm going to be the first to use it. I'm going to say, yeah, anti-racism hotline. <laughs> There's a guy in Ottawa. Yeah, he uses blackface so often he can't <laughs> even remember how many times he, he does it. And by the way, when he's in blackface, he likes to stick his tongue out a Ugh. lot. Um, by the way, I don't understand that, uh, Natasha. Is I don't it, either. Does, is that <laughs> Justin Trudeau's appalling belief on how black people, um, I guess, go about their daily business, Ugh. that they have their tongues hanging out. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be funny here. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there's numerous photos, not only the black face, but that big kind of rolling stone know, tongue sticking gross. out. What is he saying? I don't and, know. And to be lectured about racism from the guy, like I said, who's worn blackface, that in his own words, he can't remember how many times he's I done it. I can remember how many times I've done it. Zero. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to no. drop a bombshell, and then we'd go on to the uh, uh, story on cancel <laughs> yeah. culture. But uh, can no. we bring up that photo, uh, please, Mrs. Producer? Uh, Look at that. Look at that. What's with the tongue? I'm obsessed about this. It's nasty. It's, it's nasty. <laughs> but, okay, but David, do you think that racism is the number one issue plaguing Canadians? Because, of course, racism exists. Everyone can agree that racism is evil. But right now, I would argue the biggest discrimination that we're seeing in Canada is against the unvaccinated. A hundred percent. You know, that's an excellent point. By the way, I just want to preface something. There is this new opinion by the left that only white people can be racist. Oh, yeah. And I know that for a fact, folks, because there's some 
racism uh, person in the London, Ontario bureaucracy. <laughs> and I heard her on radio uh, saying that, that racism is simply a white thing. Oh, and please don't ever say anti-racism because that does suggest it is a white thing. And now people of color are embracing it. Racism is racism. And you can be of any creed, color, nationality, religion, I don't care. And you can hate such and such a group for whatever reason. So that's the first uh, fallacy. Um, but what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just think that the biggest discrimination we're seeing right now is against the unvaccinated. Yes. I mean, I can't get on a plane right now to see my family in Vancouver. Many people uh, can relate to that. And our government doesn't seem to give a crap. And again, does it affect Justin Trudeau? He no. gets to fly everywhere. Private. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we have, uh, I think we just, uh, that story just came up uh, yesterday on our website where I pointed out the incredible hypocrisy of John Tory, who for ever since the vaccine came out, He's always preached, just get the jabs and everything will be mm -hmm. okay. You know, jab, and he's been double jab plus the booster. He's due for the second booster uh, next Four month. Four in, nice. Yeah, and I don't know when the fifth, uh, the third booster is due. And um, John Tory, on the eve of uh, Good Friday, it was announced he has COVID. Now, I'm not happy about that. No. And I wish the mayor recovery. You know, we, we're not personal in our uh, attacks on John Tory. It's rather his ideology. But... Where, you know, he's part of that chorus that preaches the staycation, especially for the unvaccinated. And our good friend, uh, Sue Ann Levy, caught him at uh, Pearson International Airport getting on a flight to where, folks? Florida. Imagine oh. that. Toronto, probably the most clamped down city during the lockdown. Ontario, the most clamped down region in all of North America, I would suggest. Other than maybe Quebec, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Quebec and Ontario, you know, uh, yeah. thing one and thing two yeah. from Dr. Seuss. And here's John Tory buggering off to Florida, <laughs> the you know, the land of the unmasked and the, the free. home of the free. Yeah. Exactly. Of course, he does have a $10 million mansion there. Oh, well, that would be nice. Can we come? Oh, wait, we can't fly. Yeah. And so. who was that guy coming out? I, I still, I don't know if we can find that video. But we sent, um, was it Mocha down there? To We put our drone over John Tory's. Right, uh, and someone was leaving the house. With right? a coat over his head. Ooh. It was like the perp walk, right? Oh, like, gosh. Like, you know how you see folks, uh, the, the news crews are there outside the court? When you see a guy coming out of court and he's put his coat or a garbage bag over his head, that's not a good look. No, no. <laughs> I'm just wondering if that was John Tory, for goodness sake. I guess right? we'll never know. No, we'll never know. So John Tory did everything he could to clamp down mm -hmm. um, on city workers who didn't get vaxxed, basically suspended without pay, a, a fancy way of saying you're fired and no benefits. He clamped down on the anti-lockdown protesters. But hell, if you're Black Lives Matter, if you're Afro-Indigenous Rising, if you're the supporters of the Tamil Tiger terrorist group, you have free reign of Young Dundas Square. Whereas if you're an anti-lockdown protester standing on the corner by yourself waving a, a Canadian flag, that is a hate crime, according to John Tory. This mayor is so spineless mm -hmm. and doubly so because he considers himself to be a conservative. Uh, don't they call him Jellyfish John for a reason? <laughs> I like it. I think that's what I think. I don't know. I think that's what we did should you call him. That? I don't know if I did, but I'm wow. going to I'm going to take it right now as if I'd, I think I've heard it before. But well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that might be insulting to the jellyfish uh, community. Yeah. But there <laughs> is an appalling lack of testicular fortitude, to be sure. <laughs> Can I say that? No. Yeah. No. All right. I don't know what John is identifying these days. Maybe a jellyfish, as Natasha suggested. Um, Speaking of spineless politicians, oh, should we watch this video of Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> She's always got something interesting to say. <laughs> Thank you. In terms of the assault on the capital, democracy and constitution, that is something that we must seek and find the truth. Seek and find the truth of. So what was going through my mind? Well, I am, um, you know, 
being raised in a family of all boys and this or that, I was like, let me add on. But, <laughs> but the security did not have that same thought. <laughs> and, and they just pulled me from the podium and I didn't even take my phone with me because I said, no, no, I can handle it because sometimes uh, they act up, you know, they do nasty things verbally and all that in the Congress. And I said, I can't handle them. They said, no, this is different. And so they pulled me from the podium and then we went to an undisclosed location. In terms, I wonder when they pulled her from the podium, if she turned to her right and tried to shake hands with the invisible man as President Biden did. I want to get your thoughts on what she said, but here's what I just wanted to say as a preamble. Is it not terrifying that if, God forbid, anything happened to um, President Biden or Vice President uh, Kamala, Kamala as, time, Harris? as time passes, Harris, yeah. um, she is the next in line to be the president of the United States oh of America. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. You I didn't, didn't know, know that? that. Yeah. Oh, no. Ooh. Goodness. I don't even I don't even know what to say to that, David. That's scary. OK, well, I don't know who's better, frankly, out of the three. I'm not sure. Uh, but you know I, what? You're right. It's kind of like the tagline for the movie uh, Aliens versus Predator, which was uh, no matter which one wins, we lose, you know, as humans. <laughs> yeah. right? So basically that's the story. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's just terrible. But so I guess this is we should probably tread lightly here. But this was about the January 6th. Oh, the insurrection. Yes. Yeah. So she's talking about, I think, security removing her from the situation. I, I believe I got that right. Um, yes. OK. My producer, Olivia, is nodding. So we're not making this up here. So she's. She, I guess she's comparing the situation to a situation with her brothers where she'd be like, let me at him. Like, yeah. OK. Is the <laughs> well, and, and but what she doesn't mention, folks, is how President Trump offered uh, to have uh, 15,000 members of the National Guard as security <laughs> there. And it was turned down by police. Oh, really? Oh, they wanted this. This is a cooked up thing. I mean, if you look at the so-called insurrections, I mean, give me a break. The first thing I thought, Natasha, you know, the guy with the giant horns yeah. coming out of his head. I thought it was a picture from Comic-Con. Yeah, right? me too. And you had police and security waving people into the Capitol building that day. Most of these people, I mean, think about it. If that was a really a, an insurrection, where were the guns? Where were yeah. the bombs? They did not exist. And you still, to this day, have people languishing in a filthy Washington, D.C. prison uh, awaiting their trials. And it, this is shocking. Meanwhile, the year before, you had um, the federal courthouse in Portland uh, being firebombed. That is an extension of the federal government. But how was that reported, uh, Natasha? Oh, yeah. Mostly, Mostly peaceful, peaceful protesting. Yeah. But don't you find it a little odd that she's likening the insurrection to just a spat with her brothers? Like, that means clearly she wasn't that afraid. Is that's what I'm taking away from this? Well, yes. Uh, you know what? That's a good point. So maybe if it was about sibling rivalry, maybe January 6th wasn't that bad after all, really? was it? You know, it, it is. You know, I just wonder, though, given what, you know, I, again, I go back to the Trump administration. We talked about energy independence. We talked about low inflation. We talked about record employment, uh, including for minority groups, blacks, Asians, um, uh, people of color, women. Um, and we had a stable world, mm -hmm. did we not? I mean, you know, you know, if I compare today to a year and a half ago, I think the world is a far more terrifying place mm -hmm. when we see what's happening in Ukraine, when we see Iran on the road to getting yeah. nuclearized. Inflation, supply chain. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm, if we have any American viewers that voted Democrat, please tell me, uh, do you have buyer's remorse oh, yeah. yet? I, from what I've heard, a lot of people who voted Democrats, <laughs> like specifically because they just did not like Trump's rhetoric, have come out and said, I regret this. And I, at least they're able to admit that they were wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. But you know what? That's a very important point. The mean tweets. Oh, Orange Man makes mean yeah. tweets. You know, and Ted Cruz, he nailed it. He said um, one of the biggest demographics moving away from Republicans in the last federal U.S. election were college-educated, suburban, white females. Yeah. 
And uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention her name, but uh, Lady Menzoid's best friend lives in uh, Simi Valley, uh, California, not far away from the Ronald Reagan Library, if you can imagine. <laughs> and she voted Republican right down uh, the voting card, except for president. She, really? Yes. And she fits that demographic. Conversely, a demographic moving away from their traditional voting uh, group, which is Democrats, is the um, basically blue-collar male workers. Uh, you know, these are the guys, you know, the lunch bucket brigade, who realize the Democrats aren't about, you know, infrastructure jobs like building pipelines. Um, that's the Republicans now, and they move that way. But I guess there were more suburban, white, college-educated females uh, making the shift to Democrat in the last U.S. federal election. And like I said, uh, well, I know from uh, Lady Menzoid's uh, uh, best buddy, she has buyer's remorse. And basically, you say, why? Why did you switch that? Well, you know, those confrontational tweets. What? Despite all the tangible accomplishments mm -hmm. I just listed, Natasha, for Which I'm that, sure they were aware of, by the way. I'm sure they knew of his accomplishments and just they couldn't let that personal, you know, disdain for his personality get in the way. You know what? That's an excellent point. And maybe they assumed the accomplishments would carry on yeah. with the Biden administration. And they haven't. No. He's destroying that country. Yeah, he, he truly is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the primaries and uh, in the next election. Well, you know what? I personally predict it's going to be a generational slaughter mm -hmm. of Democrats. But I'm wary of saying that because once you start publicizing that narrative, there's so many people that would vote Republican. They go, yeah. My daughter's got soccer practice. I'm not going to be able to make it. But it's going to be a slaughter. It's going to yeah. when you when you start assuming vote. yeah that yeah. it's going to be an avalanche, that it's going to be a landslide. Guess what? It 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 doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So people, it's all about getting out the vote. Mm -hmm. And um, next as November approaches, and it'll be here before we know it. Oh yeah. Um, let's hope for. Um, regime change. Yes, definitely. And at I, least in the house. A lot the of people say as well that Twitter played a huge role. Social media played a huge role in this in this election. And of course, you know, uh, kicking Trump off Twitter afterwards, I think really kind of shed some light on to how much social media controls the narrative when it comes to voting. Um, so maybe we should talk a little bit about how Elon Musk is still uh, um, considering purchasing Twitter. And before we do, you're, you know, isn't it astonishing, Natasha, that the former president of the United States is permanently banned from Twitter, and yet you have mullahs that preach terrorism in the Middle East, and that's okay. I mean, I, has the left lost its mind? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's the only. Jeez. That's the only response. Yes, of course they've lost their mind. It makes it makes absolutely no sense. Um, but uh, people are really hopeful that Elon Musk is going to, you know. Bring free speech back to Twitter. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Just before we get into the article, like, do you really think he's he is a billionaire? So I always feel like I have hesitancy trusting these people, but I hope his heart's in the right place. Well, yeah, and I think it is. Um, uh, and I'm, I stand to be proven wrong. It's kind of yeah. like my position with Pierre Polyev. Um, my spidey senses are saying that he is going to come as advertised, and in the not so distant future, should he become prime minister? Well, we're going to find out if he says what he means and means what he says, or if he's uh, Andrew Scheer, Aaron O'Toole, um, not coming as advertised. So with Elon Musk, um, yeah, I think, I mean, he is so busy with so many things. Uh, Tesla, SpaceX, uh, he's a multi-billionaire. He doesn't need Twitter. And um, he's overpaying for it, I think, by most analysts. Mm -hmm. So what would be his rationale? And I think it is to save free speech. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Natasha, let's not forget, going back some 15 years ago or so, whether it was YouTube or, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media giants that were little sprouts back then. Remember what they said, folks? Come one, come all. This is the Wild West of free speech. Oh, and by the way, bring your content. Hey, what a business model. Free content, mm -hmm. eh? And it was all one big happy family, wasn't it, Natasha? And then when they got critical mass, what happened? Yeah. They turned into censorious thugs. They always seemed to be on the left of center. And suddenly, those on the right, you were eliminated. 
And wouldn't it be great to have just one of those mega platforms, namely Twitter, if Elon Musk is sincere, to have it as a free speech platform again? Oh, yeah. I think it would be such a relief, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be wonderful. And I, and I guess there's a lot of question about whether he'll bring Trump back and all that. What do you oh, think? A hundred percent. Yeah. That is just like Biden on day one in office uh, killed the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, the, I am absolutely, I will lay odds on this. Much like I'm betting the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, and I got a bet with Lincoln Jay. Uh, so I'm looking forward to my steak dinner uh, come next month. Nice. But anyway, I will bet you as a sign of there's a new sheriff in town, Trump's Twitter account is reinstated 100%. You nice. want to take a bet? No. I, I, yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. How much? Um, you buy me ice cream? Oh, okay. I want money. Okay. <laughs> so I'll you need a raise. You don't think no, you'll bring uh, Donald Trump back then, eh? I'm not sure. I just, I wonder what that could mean for him professionally if he does. Professionally, uh, Elon Musk is a uh, multi-billionaire. Um, he is basically in honey badger mode. He doesn't give a flying F, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and you know what else? You know, Elon Musk, I detected he was... Um, very much loved until this Twitter takeover by the left. Mm -hmm. You know, green vehicles, electric cars, you know, uh, going up into the final frontier, uh, given that I guess NASA is just concerned about manufacturing merchandise these days as opposed to putting a man on the moon. And now the, oh boy, have you noticed the media coverage uh, on Elon yeah. Musk? Even in the business pages, because I saw a headline the other day, it was about, Volkswagen's EV plan, EV being electrical vehicle, uh, to crush Tesla. Oh, good luck. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, well, you know what? I'm, it, it is getting incredibly competitive in that realm, and he's going up against the super big boys in the sandbox. So, uh, yeah, there it is. Volkswagen is coming for Tesla. Here's how it plans to dominate the U.S. market. And if we went back in the uh, DeLorean uh, DMC-12 with the optional flux capacitor to just last year, that uh, portal was probably writing puff pieces about save the environment by a Tesla. <laughs> oh, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, it's crazy how quickly the narrative shifts when you when you go <laughs> yeah. up against the media monster, hey? Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it is about the ideology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I talked about this with... Um, our beloved Sheila Gunn-Reed on Tuesday. Uh, you know, folks, I, in case you don't know, we have been, for more than a year now, demonetized uh, by YouTube. That used to be $400,000 uh, a year coming into our operation. And YouTube's take was a hefty commission, yeah. Natasha. One-third. Wow. One-third of 400 grand. I mean, that's nothing to YouTube. It's all money with me, I'll tell you this much. But that proves their, their demonetization of Rebel News was had nothing to do about the money. Mm -hmm. They were making lots of money, yeah. relatively speaking. Um, it was about the ideology. And the sickening thing is they sent us, they, they said the reason is for violating the terms and conditions of the community. Oh, okay, what's that? Safety. Oh, really? We had our lawyer go through the safety pages. I think it was about 43 pages with a fine-tooth comb. You can't advocate suicide. We don't do that. Yeah. You can't advocate parkour, where you jump from rooftop to... We've never done that. That's fair. You can't advocate gay therapy, uh, conversion therapy. We've never done that. Basically, we went through everything about why we were allegedly unsafe. We said, we've never done anything you said. And their answer, Natasha... You're still demonetized. Do you think part of the reason why these big tech monsters work so hard to censor us uh, is because they don't they know our ideas are good and they don't want them to spread? Because, I mean, really, if they really thought our ideas were so horrible and egregious, they just let them stand so that people had the opportunity to choose for themselves. Well, Natasha, what I always say about when you look at these phony hate laws, when you look at, you know, the, the social media censorious thugs, uh, kicking people off platforms, suspending them, whatnot. We have always had laws when it comes to media and publishing, and that's what you're doing when you post a video, even if you're an individual. And it's called libel, slander, and defamation. So if uh, somebody goes onto a social media platform 
and says, hey, such and such is a pedophile. Well, you know what? Uh, see you in court. Right. That we, We've always had a governor on free speech when it comes to libel, slander, and defamation. This is censorship based on ideology. Mm -hmm. You are not part of the left-wing lunatic chorus, so you are banished. And to think this is happening, I'm sorry, in the land of the First Amendment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary to see how this tri it is trickling into Canada as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But there is a little bit of hope uh, on the free speech end, actually. There is a story here about how trans women will not be automatically female in diversity quotas anymore. This is exciting. Really? What's this story? Okay, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, trans women... Uh, so there was a strong backlash on the trans issue uh, that forced the regulators to stand down. So ultimately, giving UK-listed companies the flexibility to decide how they report their female quotas. So I guess... Essentially, just because you identify as a woman, you are no longer you don't need to be considered one necessarily, basically, I guess, is the the gist of the article. Um, so I guess someone complained and then they won. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I would say it seems that the UK, uh, the tide is turning there in yeah. terms of uh, what I call transanity, you know, having biological males considered to be females. The Commonwealth Games, and, and really, like, who cares about that? I, mean, who gets I don't a even know what that is. Racket, so, yeah. <laughs> but they were going to consider allowing biological male cyclists to compete with the females. Right. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go down the Leah Thomas route. Yeah. And the NCAA, you should be ashamed of yourselves for allowing that freak show to happen. But that's more good news. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm actually surprised. Me too. I mean, I, I know even a couple of weeks ago, Boris Johnson came out saying that biological men should not compete against women because that's just a sensible viewpoint was essentially the words he used. Um, so yeah, it is really exciting to see that the tides are turning there. And I think it also speaks to the fact that it's important to speak out about this stuff and keep fighting back because it, clearly we can win. It, we clearly can. And you know, I, I when I was filling in for Ezra on this show, my monologue was about how, you know, in 2022, you know, the fable of the uh, emperor's new clothes. Mm -hmm. And it was only one lone little boy that said, hey, told the truth. king's naked, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not an invisible cloak. And where are the little boys crying out against the emperor's new clothes these days? I mean, I guess that fable might be considered um, a hate speech today. Mm. But the, the fact of the matter is, it is just about taking a stand. Yeah. I, and I can tell you, going back to, I think it was 2006, um, we were unfortunately early adopters of transanity here in Canada. There was a male mountain biker out in British Columbia that got to ride with the females. And guess what, folks? Not only was he coming in first in every race, he was also setting speed records. Of course. And there was one incident in 2006 where he, uh, uh, he, he uh, got the gold medal, the two real females got uh, bronze and silver, and the boyfriend of the silver medalist winning cyclist went up to her and put on an oversized T-shirt that said 100% uh, real female. Oh, and there was repercussions, all right. She got suspended by the Canadian Cycling Association for saying the truth. She is 100% uh, real female. Uh, maybe we have that uh, photo coming up. So I, I think if the Canadian Cycling Association were the authors of The Emperor's New Clothes, yeah. the little boy gets the shite kicked out of him for saying the truth. That's how that fable ends. But there, I think we have a picture. There we go. You see there. Um, and, you, and look how that so-called you know, female in the middle, uh, Michelle Dumaresque, I believe, uh, was his name, his adopted name. Look how he towers over them. I know there's a slight advantage on the podium for that, but um, clearly a man. Some biological differences are clearly there. Yeah. So, yeah. so what do you, why is there, I'm going to say this, uh, Natasha, and I want your opinion as either a woman or someone who identifies as a woman. You can identify as a woman. And <laughs> what a woman. You are one, uh, <laughs> or you aren't, but yeah. But it seems to me that those embracing um, trans acceptance when it comes to female sports, female penitentiaries, the list goes on, what they're really embracing is misogyny. Yes. They are putting women 
at a disadvantage and sometimes in danger. We've had males pretend to be females go into prison, sexually assault and impregnate female inmates. Mm -hmm. Where is the feminist movement on this? Because when I come up to them, they just chant in your face um, like imbeciles, trans women are real women, trans women are real women. What happened to standing up for the 4 billion people on this planet that are actually biological females. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I think the feminist movement has clearly been corrupted, obviously. Um, I think part of it is the fact that people don't want to be deemed a transphobe. They don't want to be deemed a bigot. And Kat and I talk about this a lot on our show, Misunderstood. Um, this is kind of our beat. But I don't, I'm not sh too sure, but I really, part of it I think really is the social pressure aspect of being canceled. Because we know mm. cancel culture is so humongous in the Western world. Uh, and I think that people just don't want to, ruin their lives for telling the truth, unfortunately. It, it, it's, a, it's a crying shame. And I see super producer Olivia has already uh, found uh, that article. I was just, lest anyone say I was uh, exaggerating, but look at that. Two females impregnated by a transgender fellow inmate. I mean, I think if you have that which is known as a penis, you are not a woman in any regard. That is a disgrace. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm asking for, in terms of the corrections uh, uh, industry, where is the little boy cr calling out the naked emperor? Where is the um, men and women of substance saying, no, mate, I'm sorry. You're yeah. a man. You're not going to serve your time with biological females. I think we are seeing more people speak out about it. I mean, J.K. Rowling is someone. Megan Murphy is someone. I, many Rebel News uh, journalists and commentators like myself and Kat and you, we all are speaking out about it. So I do think that there is a shift. I mean, Twitter is exploding with stuff about Leah Thomas right now, thankfully. I mean, accounts are being removed like every day because of this topic, because people are pushing back. Um, but that's the issue, though. It's one thing for the great unwashed masses to voice an opinion. I'm talking about whoever heads up the NCAA. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's your call to make. Yeah, again, I really think it's a it's a cancel culture thing. Yeah. I think that people think they're being empathetic and kind, and what they're not realizing is you're only favoring one side, and, and multiple people are being implicated because of this for one person and their gender dysphoria. And I'll tell you another thing, Natasha, as I mentioned in my uh, monologue for Ezra on uh, Monday, the, the fact is that there is a linkage um, to mental illness and transgenderism. And I speak of the disproportionate number of transgender people that also suffer from autism and Asperger's syndrome. And yet those scientists making those links, and it's all based on data, not opinion, they are condemned as being transphobic. Mm -hmm. Whatever happened, because it seems that for the last two years, the left has said, follow the science, follow the science, you Neanderthal, when it comes to COVID. Why can't we follow the science on this subject? Again, I think it's a sympathy, empathy, woke BS thing where people just are scared to tell the truth. And I think that's the, the worst thing. Um, that's the worst thing that's ever happened. I think this is so important that women pay attention to this because we are being erased. Yeah. <laughs> we are effectively being erased. But there is another story that maybe we should get to before we maybe read some chats sure. just about um, the university. Uh, is So there was a professor basically who was reprimanded for refusing to use a student's pro pronouns. Oh. And he, I guess, took it to court and won. I love this story. Yeah. I, and he was awarded folks U.S. $400,000. Yeah. I think that might be over a million Canadian right now. But yeah, he... Uh, it, it, it's one thing, uh, this is the issue. You can't mandate somebody, and I know, um, you know, Professor uh, Jordan Peterson goes on about this. You can't mandate people to say things that they don't believe in. And that was the issue at here. This professor, if you read the story, he was incredibly accommodating to all his students, straight, gay, trans, etc. But he wasn't going to play that game of, you know, Z, Zer, Zer, that, you know, all that alphabet soup madness. <laughs> and um, the university was forcing him to. And he said, no, I'm taking to the court. 
and um, he won. And but what's despicable about despicable about this, Natasha? If you read the story, the university is uh, doubling down. They still say, "No, we're right. This was all about creating a safe environment." And I mean. Where does that, you know, have you noticed how safety has been corrupted? A safe environment, to me, a safe environment, if one of these wires fell down from the ceiling and it's a live wire, that's an unsafe environment. But being called uh, miss when you're female, yeah. but you think you're a guy, that's not unsafe. Well, I was gonna say too, if, if being misgendered is the worst thing that's happening in your life, like your life must be pretty easy. Like frankly, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I like, we're, it, we shouldn't play into this because it's just creating chaos and words matter and words have meaning and we can't, we can't lose sight of that. And I think it's, ex, it's interesting to see that this person, this professor fought and won. I am so happy. Yeah. And uh, I hope he has, I mean, some of that 400,000 is going to go to his legal fees, but I, I hope he buys like a, a nice little sports car <laughs> and uh, parks it prominently on campus saying, you see what you're, um, uh, fascism yeah. uh, resulted in. New set of wheels for me. Oh, and by the way, it's not a plug-in hybrid or electric <laughs> either. It's spewing fossil fuels, right? But anyways, uh, so uh, again, folks, good news in terms of the tide uh, turning yeah. uh, when it comes to uh, transanity. And, uh, and by the way, I, I do want to clarify something. If you are a male or female and you want to go through gender reassignment surgeries, you want to slice and dice your genitalia, you want to take hormone shots, and you just want to go and live your life in a downtown condo or out in the suburbs, you want to pretend it's Halloween 24-7, 365 days a year. I have no problem with that. If we, if you believe in freedom, uh, you know, do your own thing, even yeah. if it's that. I think, yeah, as long as you're a consenting adult, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is when you say, now I am changing the rules in sports mm -hmm. so I can uh, clean the clocks of biological care. females. Yeah. yeah. Now I am changing the rules of story, story time to have, you know, drag queens come in and um, uh, I'll, I'll call it grooming, you know, basically normalizing um, something for, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds mm -hmm. that is really yeah, not exploiting them to all. sexual things. Yeah. That, that's the problem. It is the radical mm -hmm. transgender movement. Yeah. And it's a fringe of a fringe. Oh yeah. Natasha. It's, they are completely the minority. And I think that's what's exciting about this is a lot of people who are actually transgender also agree with us and they are speaking out about the the yes. crap. And that's really good. And I think you need to keep doing that if you're a transgender person, um, because your voice like Blair White is someone specific who is go. very outspoken about this, which is great. We need that. And more most importantly, the my issue with the whole movement is like you said, if you're a consenting adult, go for it. But the children, like we just need to pre preserve their innocence because you know, kids do not need to be exploited to these ideologies. They don't need to know about sex in general, okay? They just yeah. need to be kids. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and finally, uh, like sports, let's be, let's be honest, it's fun and games. It's not right that female athletes are, um, you know, getting slaughtered the way they are. But when it comes to incarceration, that's a health and safety risk. Yeah. When it comes to female inmates, a lot of them are there because they've, being abused yeah. through their lives and you have some muscular six foot four dude with all his functioning mm -hmm. wedding tackle there yeah. and that's your roommate um what's to stop him from raping you what's to stop him from impregnating you that is insane yeah it's Natasha. sickening it's sickening yeah, yeah. What a fun note to end on. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the, the tide is slowly yeah. uh, turning uh, ever so slightly. Yes. We, I, I, hold, you know what? Time flies when you're having fun. And uh, I'm having fun with you. I'll oh, tell you that shucks. Uh, uh, we're uh, three minutes to the hour, so we better get to some of these uh, I think chats. so, yeah. Okay. Do we have any chats, producer Olivia? Thank you so much. This is from Fraser McBurney. Thank you for your $5. It is now time to ticket $850 to mask wearers <laughs> like we were ticketed for standing too close. I think it is. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I would disagree with that. And yeah, I'll tell you me why. too. Um, you want to wear a mask? Go for wear, it. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to wear a mask. Uh, don't do it. Uh, but you know what? I, I It was a fascinating talk radio topic I was listening to the other day, and it was um, a story. I don't know where it appeared, but it was someone who's a... Uh, devout mask wearer, even though you don't need to wear a mask at a cafe. And the complaint was, I come up to those without masks and I 
politely, I very politely tell them uh, to put their mask on, oh. right? Uh, Stunning that, and That brave. better not happen with me. I'll tell you that much, folks. I'll, I'll still be civil. Yeah. And uh, what's wrong with that? And the host had a very incredibly, uh, had an incredibly great an analogy, um, Natasha. Sometimes even being polite isn't good enough. And the example he gave, say I'm on the beach. I see a woman suntanning in a bikini. And I come up to her and I go, um, hi there. Uh, could you please, pretty please, take your bikini top off because I want to gaze upon your breasts. Is that okay? Thank you very much. No, that's not okay. Even though you framed it with such Nicely, nice yeah. uh, niceties and, and, and polite language, yeah. it is offensive and it's unwanted. Yeah. So anyone out there who, who is still clinging to their mask when the law says you don't have to, even if you're asking politely, yeah, know no. your role yeah. and shut your mouth, as The Rock used to say. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, I would be maybe open to finding parents who are still masking their kids, though. Sorry. Ugh, controversial. Uh, yeah. but I, like, I don't get that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm not a parent, so. Yeah. I am judging you, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember we had a miscommunication and I thought you were pregnant the other day? And how did that happen? I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> okay. But she's not. He's fun. calling me fat. <laughs> you know, oh, you're the, you're the antithesis of fat. <laughs> Let's get to another chat. Okay. This is from uh, O Truck Math K. Um, liberals have no principles, just communism by any means necessary. I mean, I wouldn't even argue it's communism. I think there's a it's globalism. I mean, given his policies are all, you know, outreaching into other countries and nations. You know what? Uh, I'm on the side of the viewer, uh, communism. And uh, the reason I, why I'm saying that, it's not speculation, uh, Natasha. Oh, I know it's what you're going to say. It's the words of Trudeau yeah. himself some seven yeah. years ago. A base, you know, an admiration for the basic dictatorship mm -hmm. in China. Now, he wasn't prime minister at the time, but can you imagine, folks, somebody in the Western world with aspirations to become prime minister of a Western democracy admires China? I mean, uh, but uh, the other thing, too, as we showed with his lavish lifestyle, Marxism ain't for the Marxists. No, is it? it ain't. No, it ain't. <laughs> Do we have any more chats? This is from Snowy Roof. Thank you for your $5. David, it is not virtual signaling. He is a Klaus Schwab and George Soros puppet. In order for there to be an antichrist, there has to be a one world government. Jeez, that's a lot to digest. There. Yeah, that, I mean, I agree with you. Whoever you are, I agree with you. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah. you know, I, I I don't know when when we go down the road of the Antichrist. I mean, are you implying just Justin Trudeau is the Antichrist? I don't I, think I, so. I wouldn't go that far. No, but, I don't think he is. But yeah. I think he would, just like he endorses communist China, folks. I think he would endorse the policies of the Antichrist. Yeah, he's helping push the agenda along. Let's say. <laughs> Next chat. This is from Fraser. Thank you for your five dollars. Could the rebel investigate the rash of fires at food plants in the USA and Canada over the past six months? Huh. I haven't no, I heard of, aware that. of that. Me too, but that's good to know. We'll write that down. Thank okay, you. Okay, then. Hmm. Well, you know what? Uh, thank God, then, that um, Mr. Bill Gates is the biggest owner of American farmland. Yeah. Uh, surely uh, Not he a won't let us starve. And by the way, biggest shareholder, I understand, of CN Rail, too. Really? Yeah. So, well, then, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, folks? As much as they're all about new age technology in terms of getting around and, uh, you know, eating bugs uh, for our diet. Yum. Uh, no, the the grandmasters are clinging to old school investments like agriculture and the process to get the goods to market. That would be the choo-choo train. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing to me. Yeah. No, I, yeah, fascinating. Okay, this is from AquaSkies3636. Uh, thank you for your donation. That clip with Alexa is so telling. Thank you uh, to both of you and Rebel. Aw, thank you. Yeah, AquaSkies, and I can tell you this, um, not only was it disrespectful mm -hmm. uh, to Alexa and the night before, I believe it was Tamara, yeah. uh, Ugolini that got to ask a question, it is disrespectful to all our viewers, more than 1.5 million on YouTube. It is disrespectful to Canadians because twice, folks, in 2019 and 2021, we were barred 
from going to the parliamentary debates. And we got a federal court order. Our two lawyers, who are just absolutely super smart and fantastic and hardworking, we went up against eight government lawyers, funded by your taxpayers, by yeah. the way, and we won both times. So two different federal judges said, we are a legit media organization, let them in. And like a sore loser, you know, uh, Natasha, just, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau says, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. I'm not answering your questions. That's yeah. despicable. Well, it's also gross because he is spewing this hatred towards people who pay his salary. Yep. Like at the end of the day, we're all taxpayers, whether, whether we voted for him or not. And he exactly. needs to respect all of us. You know, for paying his freaking wages. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't. No, he sh he surely doesn't. Yeah. Do we have any more chats? Last one. Last one. All right. This is from Lone Yukon. Why is no one asking the political candidates where they stand on the UN and the WHO health treaties? Obvious attempts to govern sovereign countries by bureaucracy afar. Yeah, I think I think that we haven't had too uh, too many chances. I don't think to really get in and ask those nitty gritty questions yet. I think a lot of the leadership tour has been more so meet and greets and stuff. But I I know that our journalists are definitely going to be asking those tough questions as the campaign goes on. Oh well, don't count your chickens before they're hatched because I can tell you, uh, my friend. Um, Sheila Gunn-Reed has gone to UN um, uh, climate change conferences right, yeah. abroad. I think yeah, Lewis Brackpool went. Poland. Yep, Lewis Brack. And here's the problem. Well, with the, with the Canadian journalists, we can't get in because, well, Justin Trudeau, our own government, has banned us. The same was the case back in 2018 when um, me and the original super producer, Justin, went all the way to Morocco. Morocco, can you imagine? Uh, and that was the immigration UN summit. Uh, we go to the, um, you know, the, the gates and they say, sorry, uh, your government is denying you access. So we went all the way to Morocco. And, but you know, it's interesting uh, because that doesn't mean we go home empty handed. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, Justin and I, what we were doing was we were filming the parking lot and we were noticing all these delegates and all these bureaucrats uh, coming to the conference typically in seven and eight seater SUVs, one person is in the vehicle. And guess what, folks? You think they killed the engine while uh, the diplomat was off uh, giving his or her speech? Oh, no. They're away. running with the AC on full blast. Yeah, that's what's happening in Morocco. Meanwhile, at the same time, uh, roughly in Poland, um, you know, the, the same... UN types are getting preachy about climate change <laughs> and, and the war on the planet. Can you imagine? They simply don't practice what they preach. No. But we try to go there and our own government stymies us. Maybe when there's regime change in Canada, we will actually get in the door of some of these conferences. Yeah, well, God willing, God willing. There you go. I think that's all the chats we have for today. I think that's the show. Well, we've gone six minutes over. Uh, we're certainly not on CBC's clock. I mean, we would already be uh, noshing our lunch by now if we were. But you know what, folks? Thank you so much for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate that. Thank you, especially to those that gave a financial uh, stipend. Uh, it's how we keep these uh, bright lights on and... Of course, thanks to uh, Olivia, our super producer behind the board mm -hmm. there. And thank you to you, my friend, Natasha. Um, you know, we I think we've hosted before, but as the Jacqueline Suzanne book title uh, once read, once is not enough. Certainly. Well, hopefully we'll <laughs> get to do this again. And yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, tune in tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern time for our daily live stream. I don't know who's hosting, but it'll be fun. It'll be a surprise. Yeah. And in the meantime, folks, as always, Stay sane. Talk about the success of Canada, the things we do well, the things we do better than any other place in the world, without talking about the success of our diversity. The fact that people come to Canada from every corner of the world with every different background you can imagine and are there not just for their own community, but for all of their neighbors, is something that makes us richer and better as a country than just about any other place in the world. Because if you think about it, you don't learn the most from someone who's just like you. You have a friend who grew up on the same street as you, two doors down, 
has the same kind of family background as you, and you like to play the same games, you have a great time together with that friend, but you don't necessarily learn a lot of new things. Where we learn new things, where we challenge ourselves, where we become better, is when we learn from people who are different from us. And that's been the story of success of Canada. That's been the story of success of this community. And when I think of what the Muslim community has brought to Canada over the years, the way you have contributed in innumerable ways, yes, with extraordinary institutions like the Muslim, uh, the Cambridge Islamic Centre, but also uh, the way you've contributed to the entire country, we are all better off for it. And Canada can continue to grow and learn and be better with that.